0: Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night share. This and and the to, to the shiva, also will dedicate to Anav Chaya Meir, Halevi, a dear friend, a close friend, from you. but no nonsense Jew, no nonsense Jew, that had zero or low tolerance and no tolerance at all, the people that did things that were not what they're supposed to be doing. Acted the way they shouldn't be acting. Talked the way they shouldn't talk, etc. He believed in straight, being straight. Um, And you'd always see him, actually, people coming to him, in a, a nondescript person from one side and the other side people always coming, talking to him random people talking to him and finding out now that these people are all actually seeking his advice his counsel so there's one fellow that I always remembered seeing, talking to him and one day this week during the shiva still and it occurred to me, a mm. fellow is a few years older than I am, I haven't seen him since before COVID, since before the whole pandemic started. I wonder how this guy's doing. I come into shul six thirty in the morning. Lo and behold, I'm putting on my towel, and I see the guy standing there. His came down with my me. It's fascinated. Now what have I told him? I literally was just thinking about you. But I haven't seen you since who knows when. And here you are. Mm-hmm. And he starts to tell me how cut up he is about this friend of ours, mutual friend of ours that passed away. And he tells me that many years ago, he and a couple of friends had a little bit of a harder time staying in the actual curriculum of Yeshiva. And um, they needed outlets. shall we say. They needed somewhere else, a different, alternate type of study and there was a good couple of Bacharim involved here and it got to the hierarchies the Rebbe's personal secretary, Rabbi got involved with the situation and he asked Chaimair obviously this is not from Rabbi Chadikov's idea on his own he asked Chaimair Shalom, to get involved with these bacham, to learn with them. And he did. He says there were six of them. And he learned with them for a, couple, for a good couple of years, apparently. And... It was just a... Uh, Phenomena, He says that the guys didn't stop going back to him. He wasn't the, uh, he was their go-to guy, their go-to person for everything in their lives. He unfortunately ran into a little bit of marital issues, this guy, and he went and Chaimea got involved. And he spoke actually to the guy's wife and spoke once and then a the second time. The second time he finally came back to me and he told him, Buddy, you got to pick up your socks. It's not a happening thing. He says, Chaime reprimanded him properly, put him in his place, told him what had to happen, and he was duly impressed not impressed, he took it to heart he took it to heed, heat. he heeded to what he said and Chimeh has now I mean, it's, it's interesting I can remember And now it's coming out how much he actually mm-hmm. did for people, the Vertlok that he had, the things that he told them. How he put people in their places, but never Chas Was he? Was he? Okay. Never has shown did he hurt somebody did he go out his door was always open literally speaking his family he had kind very he has a very large family unfortunately um, one of his daughters was taken from us way before her time in Atlanta and He persevered. He would travel out there every few shabasim to be with the kids, with the children, the grandchildren, with his son in law. Children don't have to be. kaila to give same, says, because their mother passed away. They don't have to be deserted and dumped. When the kids came here, they lived by him. It was a good bench for a very large family, Kanara. And lived up to be a patriarch to it, to them. They all respected and revered him. And rightfully so. We don't make his pay them, especially not in Hanukkah, but in Chabad, we don't make his pay them at all. Um, but as many people are, going to, uh, are saying now over and over, Chaimer, we miss you. More than you'll ever know. But he's there now in the Elu and he knows what's going on and what's happening and what's the true thing, what's the true life. And what we have to stand for, and I'm sure he's knocking on doors and windows all sides, making, trying to get the message across how desperate Klai Yisrael is for Mashiach Tidkenu. And he should be a meditation for his family, for his children, for his wife, for Klai Yisrael. Rishtaka, the Kitzeran Sheikh who be and I'll be right there next to the Rabbeim, as he was very devoted and dedicated to Sire Chabad, an organization very dear to the Rebbe. And therefore, and it's interesting because he was involved throughout the world. And then when I went to Caracas in in Zion seventy seven, I went to Venezuela as a group. <laughs> he was there already as a Bacha in and he gave me names. He gave me people. He gave me places. Whenever I came back, we used to meet. He used to tell me all about. Yeah, I know this one. That one. Did you meet this one? Did you meet that one? It was just amazing. South African people as if they lived by him. There's a shliach who from Florida Batianati who was brought close to Yiddishkeit through the Liebermans Reb brother Reb Reb this is in Florida and Mati was part of his crew. Mati became a very strong, staunch Mashiachist and opened the base Mashiach across, directly across practically from Rabbi Lieberman. And so ensued as a Mashiachist, that standing up against the shleiman. Huh? That unique? stop and give myself? Okay. But there, al in their own shlichas, in their ways of shlichas, they did not see eye to eye. Martin is also now in the Elam Hamas. he also passed away recently of a heart attack. Chaimea told me, um, it mentioned that Martin, his Martin's shenanigans did not... Uh, sit well with him, shall we say. He called them shenanigans, because Matthew was a very big Meshachist. But, whenever Mati came here, for a Shabbos or something, he came to Chaim for a meal. And there he was Mati and Nati. And as Mati and Nati, he was his close friend, an old friend, and they just sat and ate, and drank and whatever, and, and febringed, no politics involved, Just everything aside, it's the good old times, good old days. But he says that Monty used to come to him, and whenever he was here in New York, he used to come to him. Involved, he was involved in the He was involved in shmishikedusha. He taught him bishivka in high school, and with. <laughs> Have a stick. He'd, he'd mark a test. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't give the test back to his girls directly. He'd leave it on his desk. So he come collect your tests. Tests, I don't want to see you cry. <laughs> he tells a story in, in Tosh, by the Tosh ever People standing in line waiting to see the Tosh Rebbe. And... Tzashireb saw a poor man on the line and he realized this guy must be really dire in dire straits he's not just asking for a he's probably asking for money as well and directly behind this poor man was a very wealthy man and Tzashireb motioned to his gabai, to his secretary Zazegit called the kivir first give me the rich man first and he called in the rich man the rich man saw him obviously gave him a nice donation and then the poor man came in the poor man noticed that this rich man was calling before him and was visibly hurt visibly insulted and hurt and he said to the Rebbe, straight, he couldn't hold himself in. He said to the Tasha Rebbe, he says, I don't understand. What's going on over here? I know you have to give cover to Ashirim. Rebbe, Rebbe used to honor, used to give Kavit to rich people. On the fact that if Kadosh Baruch Hu saw to it that they have to have money, that they have all this money, they're his bankers for tzedakah, then they must be right, righteous and worthy of it. But, why embarrass me? Why humiliate me? Is it my fault that I'm poor? How's wrong? told him very straight. I saw you on the line. And I realized you probably need money for something. A wedding or whatever it might be. And I didn't have. I didn't have any money. Nobody brought in money today. I saw the rich man on the line. I figured he's going to give me money. And here, Tasshideba says, "Is the envelope that he gave me? I want you to take it." Poor man was blown out of the water, to say the least. <laughs> How did he suspect Tashiba of doing something so frivolous, so uncaring, so hurtful? And yet... It didn't just, he didn't just justify it by explaining the rich man's in a rush. He, has to get a play. he showed me the mukhash. Those few minutes that I was standing there plotting while the rich man was inside, thinking how the audacity to have taken the rich man before me. And those few minutes I even had my head spinning to the extent that I was going to walk away from here in Ganson I would not even go in. I held myself in. (coughs) And honestly speaking, I didn't even have the benefit of the doubt when I walked in. I walked into the Rebbe's room without the benefit of the doubt as well. But, I found out, I found out how wrong I was and how holy the Rebbe really is and how Hashem has a plan and this too we are not going to put Chaimer in God's seat but he too, when he used to say things people sometimes would blink once or twice but when you looked into it and listened to it and hear what he had to say it wasn't so he was pretty much on the mark this Shabbos Pash Miketz it's no longer Kanaka. Friday is, is Hanukkah but there are many connections Miketz to Kanaka. i like to focus a little bit on Hanukkah actually still, because tonight is Hanukkah still. Seventh light. And I'd like to then focus on Parshmi Kate's random I have to answer the phone sometimes middle of the show. sorry I apologize um, <sighs> Hanukkah and Miket the one the few most famous that we've brought down we've spoken about many times is Mikates at the end of the parasha it tells us there are 2,025 words in the parasha, rather than telling us how many Pesukim. Some of have Pesukim as well, but it says 2,025 words. And the reason that is connected to Hanukkah is because we light every night a candle in Hanukkah. The word in Hebrew for candle is Neir. Neir is nun Resh, which is Gematria 250. We light eight nights Menera, which is 2,000. And we begin Hanukkah on the 25th day of Kislev, which is Khafei which is twenty five, and therefore we have two thousand twenty five. When Yaman is given by Yesaf extra mm. more than his brothers, then it tells us he's given five times the amount, Yodhis, of hands. Some of Yodis. We say in Valanism gave us over. We say the word yod five times. This is the five yodis that was given to Binyamin. And of course you light the Meneda on the left side and the Mezuzah on the right side. Only a few of the many, many myriad of connections, Pashmi, Kates, and Kanaka. There are many connections with Vayigash as well, but Vayigash is off the charts entirely. I believe we mentioned a few of Vayeshev. The Greeks, the Yivanim, they came to battle the Jews. It wasn't though a physical mundane battle. The war that the Ivanim staged on the Jews was a purely spiritual war. As a spiritual war, they stood up against the Jews to tell them: study Torah, do mitzvahs, but get your head in the right place. Be a little more philosophical about it. Think into it before you take these blind faith leaps. The Jewish nation are like sheep following a shepherd, they said. "Wherever the shepherd takes them, that's where the sheep follow. Understand why the shepherd is taking you there. Understand what the goal of the shepherd is. Understand how you have to get around the shepherd on occasions. Teda. It's a beautiful thing. It's brilliant. But don't look at it as Teda's Moshe, God's Teda. Take the brilliance out of Teda. used to be a secret called Salem. The billboards would say you could take Salem out of the country, but you can't take the country out of Salem. What that means, I never understood, but it's one of those things that stuck to you. They wanted to philosophize Torah. Everything has a techen and a Mohus. and the same is the name Yovan. Yovan, the Greek, the word Yovan signifies chokma of klipa, intelligence. But not from the right source. The actual translation to the word Yavon, Tavarim mm-hmm. <epidermalach> says in the capital Meb, the first Tita Yavon, holy mud, it as mud. And the mud that they represent, the mud that they slung at the Jews. It's interesting. I told this as well probably before. They tell a story of a rabbi. was very opposing to the priest in the town. And he would fight him tooth and nail on everything. And the priest didn't mind everything else. All he minded was, let me, if a Jew wants to convert, let me convert them. And he said to the Rabbi once, why don't you let, why don't you approve of conversion? The Rabbi laughed and said, we're children of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Abram Yitzchak and Yaakov. Avram said about himself, I'm dust, sand. Now, when you convert a Jew, you sprinkle them with water. When you mix water with sand, it becomes mud. I don't want you turning the Jews into mud. That was his gist of it. Yavan represents mud. Water with du- with dust with sand mixed together, which is the total opposite of teira. As we know, keeping score at home, the Imar above a Kama, Yud Aleph, Seventeenth Side One, Ain my Mela When we refer to teira, it's referred to as water. See, I need water. Tom Luchanavshi. This all refers to Mayim of Tera. When you mix the physicality of the world, the offer of the world with the water, and you let the opposite of Kedusha get into your system, it turns to mud. I am Be'ez Amit Be'ez, 72, side 2. Mm-hmm. And the Gemara Yuma tells us, If the person is not Zeka, the person learns Teda, they do it for the right reasons, for the right intentions, then it becomes the biggest advocate for them. Becomes the holiest thing for them if they're not If they're not says the Imara, then it becomes Samhamavis, it becomes poison. Therefore, if chas Shalom we're not zekha. Zekha from of purifying. And we don't purify the chumrius of the world. It becomes samam avestas chas Just the opposite. Through his knowledge... He can get by understanding and thinking that they, he actually knows something and he actually is on to something and is actually accomplishing something through gaiva, through pride. He justifies everything he does and says. We see this in the name Yovan. Mm-hmm. The word Yavon, the word Yavon is Yud Vov Nun. It starts with the letter Yud Yud. Is connected to chokhmah. Here is the concept of chokhmah. The name it comes from the name Yavon. It shows taka chokhmah, but chokhmah Dlumaza. Chokhmah from the other sources, which is the philosophy behind the chokhmah. Which this philosophy goes totally against chokhmah of kedusha, and this only happens when people start to lose focus on what they have to do, and they don't connect their learnings with their actions. Afterwards, that person starts to go down a level. They go down slowly, like the person sinking in the in the mud, sinking into the quicksand, until so much so that it becomes the midosirays, bad attributes. And midas attributes come from the letter Vav. Midas in general are six Chesed, Yvura, Teferes, Netzach, Heid, Yisayid. Six midas. And therefore, the Vav represented in Yavon represents the six midas and it goes until Chashashalom hits rock bottom which is the nun which goes from the mata from the shuda, it goes further down than everything to final nun and this therefore signifies the lowest of low that a person Chashalom hit <laughs> if you keep this card home but everybody knows The sugya of my Hanukkah. The sugya that discusses Hanukkah we spoke last week about the 20 Amis. The Gemara tells us When they entered the Hechel, the courtyard, they made impure all the oils of the Hechel. Why does the Gimara stress that? <coughs> it's definite, it's clear to us that they desecrated all the oils in the courtyard, in the courtyards of Yerushalayim, For if there was any oil that was pure in the surrounding areas, they would have lived in And no miracle would be needed. Why therefore is it stressing that the dafka, the oils that were in the hekel We have the four ways of pshat, of learning something. Pshat Rem is Drush and sayd. The drush behind this is as follows. It's explained the the decree of Paray where he commanded every boy, male that's born should be thrown into the nilus and every daughter should be let live. You want the sons, you want the boys killed. You want the boys killed, Fartik? why are you telling me about the girls? Superfluous. And not only telling me about the girls, if the decree is only on the boys, why do I need a decree especially for the girls to live? Now we've explained this in many different ways before. and We say that this is part of the actual decree. (laughs) Cholabas don't kill the Jewish girls, the Jewish daughters, not physically at least. It was a decree on their souls. The Egyptians should let them live and should educate the Jewish daughters to be nice, good, loyal, faithful, religious Egyptians. Cut them off from the Khinach HaKosher that we have from Yisrael Saba. And we know, of course, that Misa Siluchnius is much worse than Misa Gashmius. The death physical is much worse than death of... Death spiritual is much worse than a death physical. In our case, the same as well. The Greeks wanted Tamam Es to desecrate the oils it wasn't just they should, the menorah shouldn't be used let the Jews light like the menorah we have no problem but do it with impure oil one that is desecrated by the greeks so it's not enough they broke they could have broken the jugs and just wasted all the oil. But they didn't do that. They made it impure. Unholy. So much so, they gathered all the impure oil into the hekel and they were ready they were telling the Jews light your menorah with the impurity of the Greeks let it burn but instead of the bu- their burning signifying beautiful and pure oil let it be that of the impure oil that we have and this was therefore the victory by finding Pach and that one flask of oil with the symbol with the seal, the signet of the King on it, and they were able to continue the light of the in impurity. And this were the candles that brought down that the Shekhinah rests amongst the Jews. Again, the same spot in the Gemara. If you keep your score at home, Shabbos Chapei And this, therefore, was the significance of the purification of oil the purification of the Mishka the the Neda, sorry let's turn our focus now Rabbi To as long as my voice can hold out still Pashas Miketz we know Pari has dreams and Yasef interprets and the question becomes right away how how did Yosef interpret it correctly but more importantly how did Parai know that what Yosef was saying was true and the answer is quite simple Yosef Pare, excuse me Havdl saw the interpretation in his dreams. Saw the dream, had the dreams, and saw the interpretation. According to one opinion, he didn't remember it. According to another opinion, or many other different opinions actually, although he remembered it, he wanted it translated. What does that mean? When a person has a dream, and someone translates the dream, says the Yomara Barakas, and the interpretation usually is what the dream is. If the person is of status. And Limar actually tells us the story of a fellow that had the uh, stature to be able to interpret dreams. But unfortunately, he charged money. Now if you didn't pay him his fee, you got a bad interpretation. And he went, he went to town on that. He didn't just give a bad interpretation, he killed people, families, with his interpretations. Whereas if you gave him Jesus, he gave you a nicer interpretation. And according to the interpretation, that's how the dream came out. So too, Pare knew and understood that he needs somebody to give the proper interpretation to make this come into fruition. And therefore, although all his stargazers gave him information, gave him translations, gave him interpretations, he saw this, first of all, not what I saw, and second is not what I want to hear. So he poo pooed them all away. The it's only when Yosef gave his interpretation did he recognize the interpretation, and finally hear what had to happen, what had to be. Yosef is put in charge of the entire Mitzrayim, and seven good years. He sees to it that everything is put away and stored. All the extras put. Warehouses, and they knew that they'd have to ration henceforth for the next seven years. Because, as Jason predicted, the seven years of hunger, the seven seven years of plenty, and the seven of hunger. (coughs) The hunger became worldwide, though, it was a pandemic. And as a pandemic, and Yakiv knew that there was a plentiful in Egypt, and therefore he sent his sons down to Mithraim. However, there were ten strapping, good-looking boys, and he didn't want any ayin hara. So he told them to go in, each one through a different entrance. Imagine how big Egypt was. There were ten different entrances. The boys went in, the boys, the sons went in to the different entrances, and they were all called together to Yosef's palace. Akko. But as they came in, interestingly, they didn't bow like everybody else bowed on their knees, to Yosef. but there was the Mishtachos. They prostrated across the table floor. Prostrated. And this was great humility. When one gets on their knees, they still have their head above. They still show that they have value in their own face. Whereas when one bows down, one lies themselves down on the floor, their head, their feet are the same level as we spoke back in in, in V'yaytseh. And they come into their brother, and the brother says, The tells us, Yosef recognized his brothers, however, they did not recognize him. Now, be practical Yosef looked like them. After all, they're brothers. Yosef dressed like them. After all, he was a from Yid. Why couldn't they recognize him? They thought perhaps it was an Egyptian dressed up like a Jew. Because after all, they imagined that Yosef was probably still from. But they could not imagine or fathom. That he would be right, he would raise rise to such power. So therefore, they did not recognize Joseph. What does a person have to do to seek the truth? One that wants to become close to Hakadosh Baruch Person sees around them all the lies, the deceit. <laughs> As the expression goes, "Stop the world, I want to get off." Person wants to live a true life with the truth, perpetual truth. Wants to attach himself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the sheep to its shepherd. Wants to do the Taylor and the learn the Taylor do its mitzvahs. The best way, at least with the first Mabat, without first check, is running away from the desert. Sorry. Running to a desert. With nature surrounding you from all sides. Nothing to disturb and nothing to bother you. You're just you and God. But however, Teres Siddhas explains That the Shifte Yudkei, the Shvatim, the children of Yaakov, wanted to be just that. They wanted to be only attached to God. So they occupied themselves as shepherds. They and their sheep. Nothing else to do but to sit and learn and hear their sheep bleeding Bleating and watch them eat grass and drink water. Very few sheep asked for molds. They were usually happy with water. They did not want to be under the pressures of the world, the mundane world. And therefore they chose this ideal profession, a shepherd. As a shepherd, they did theirs. They lived their lives and kept to themselves. And were not exposed or affected by anything around. They could stay totally enveloped, enveloped and attached to the Holy of Holies. Now, Yasus' brothers come down to Egypt, the lowest of the lowlands. And they meet their brother Yasuf, who's ruling over this country. The Teda describes this meeting, as we said before. He recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Like everything else in the Teda, this Pasuk, although it makes common sense to translate, we need to delve into it and understand what the Teda is getting at, what the Teda is actually telling us here. Yisuf's brothers, they did not recognize him. It never occurred to them, as I said before, that a person like this, who has the whole weight of the entire nation and world around him, on his shoulders, would be their brother. didn't fit the mold it didn't fit the job description wasn't his MO he looked like a godly person but how could a person in that position be godly he's soaked up in this decadent world in this nation Mixed everything in this world in the Elam Hazza. According to their noble opinion, it didn't work. You couldn't mix and match. If you wanted to stay pure and holy, you had to be a shepherd boy. Doing nothing, not getting involved, not getting exposed to anything in the world. And therefore, me, this fellow who is sitting here on the throne ruling the entire nation cannot possibly be their brother. It has to be an Egyptian. Joseph, yes, though, was at a much, much higher level than his brothers. Even ruling over Egypt. The entire nation and rulership Resting on his shoulders. This was his entire behavior, and ruling and making the whole nation the way it should be. Yosef remains a Tzaddik. A Jew connected to his God, to his Creator. Not just by sitting out in the field and meditating and not being exposed to any kind of outside sources or knowledges. In the mundane world, in the world of commerce, Yisuf was there, complete and total. And therefore, they couldn't recognize him. It didn't occur to them whatsoever, according to their understandings and their standards, it was not possible to be attached to God at the level they were at, at the level they looked to achieve by being involved in mundane worldly things. You could only do that by being a shepherd in a field alone. This action, this way of Yosef, is at a much higher level than the brother's. Because this is the reason for creation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world in order for a Jew to go into it and to envelop Kedusha into everything in the world. And if a Jew closes himself off in his Dalai or he goes into quarantine <laughs> on his own in a cave He's doing what he can do wonderful for his own things, in order to serve God without anybody disturbing him. But that's not what the world is created for. That's not what the world is sanctified for. And therefore, it's no longer that action is not connected with the godliness. The opposite. He himself, his behavior, strengthens the actual influence. The HaKadosh and the world are two opposites. One from another. And therefore, although worldliness and godliness don't mesh, that's how we need to do it in this world. When a Jew lives in this world and he has all the troubles and all the headaches, he lives as a Jew, as a proper Jew. And he's not giving up an inch, to the little pintle yid, he doesn't give up his godliness whatsoever, and he shows and proves, that he can act the way he needs to act, the way a Jew needs to be, Shabbos, Yomtiv, in spite of all his surroundings, with clean hands, and with total belief in God. And just like the Torah demands that of us, everything that we do, everything we involve ourselves, we enter, we bring in, that Baruch, into the world, the Takas Hashleimah. It's not easy. But Am Yisrael at large, are known as Nehei Katsen Yasef. And we're called as the sheep of Yasef. And from there we can draw and we are s- successful not to, God forbid, waste. Not to, God forbid, push away. But rather to fulfill the world itself with it on, w- the person involving himself in his godly shlichus to lighten up the world in the light of Torah and Mitzvahs. And Ken Yirotzen should it be that our light of the Medera tonight and later worldwide, should lighten up the world once and for all to the level that we see the actual light of Mashiach in Canaan. Shabbat Shalom to all.